Hello and welcome to the Brookwood Church Ministries podcast. My name is Chris Birch and I'm the middle school pastor here at Brookwood. This message was recorded at one of our breakout sessions during our phase event. The purpose of this event is to recognize that every life stage of your child's development is critical in their spiritual upbringing. During this podcast, Ryan Hendrick will explore the adventure of raising preteens through grades 5 and 6. Also on our podcast channel, you can find messages for other age groups, as well as some specific issues you may face while raising your children to live Christ-like lives. Hello, everyone. You guys doing okay? Has everyone recovered from the video? (laughs) It's a point of contention. Cool. Well, uh, some of you know me, uh, and you know, not everyone knows me, but uh, I'm, my name is Ryan Hendrick. I'm the fifth and sixth grade pastor here, and I'm very excited to have uh, everyone here. This is a nice, small, intimate group, and I'm excited about it, and I'm excited that you're here. So before we get into some of the nitty-gritty and the specifics, I wanted to give you guys a little bit of background on moi, yours truly. If you have Facebook, you've probably seen a lot of this stuff, but we'll go ahead and do it anyway. So uh, we'll go ahead and go through. So first of all, eh, eh. oh, all right. Oh, snap, spoilers. All right, so this is my family. On the far right, that's my dad. His name is Milt. And then my mom, is name, her name is Darcy. And then my mom had four boys, so she has a very special place in heaven. Uh, this is my older brother, Kyle. Uh, I am second in line for the throne. And then my, uh, this is my brother, Tyler, and my sister-in-law, Lois. And that's my youngest brother, Dylan. I refer to him as Pico. Long story. All right. Uh, I like doing Spartan races, and I like photobombing with my shirt off. That's how I roll. <laughs> no, nah, but we do, we do Spartan races. It's a ton of fun. Uh, that, they're, they're just crazy. I'm not a huge fan of the running aspect. It's mainly like the running gets me from point A to point B so that I can do the fun stuff, which is the obstacles. <laughs> I was an Avenger. That's part of the reason why I'm asking about the superhero stuff. I, it, you, it's pretty much just a split second of the movie, and they really don't give me a whole lot of fanfare, mainly because I didn't have an origin story. They were like, hey, where, what's your origin story? I'm from California. That's boring. We'll do Captain America. All right, and uh, this is me at weddings. Uh, I, that, that's a move called swing dance dump truck. And uh, so we just, uh, that's how I am. There is not a drop of alcohol in me at all. <laughs> I don't drink. So uh, th- that's just, uh, that's, that's a little bit of fun stuff about me. I just like to be crazy, have fun. And I've, uh, I've been with, uh, I've been the fifth and sixth grade pastor here at Brookwood for three years and change. And before that, I was the pre- preschool production coordinator for two years and change. And before that, I volunteered at my church in youth group and in children's for years. So I've been hanging out with kids, having a blast with kids, influencing kids for quite some time. They keep me young, and it's a beautiful thing. Uh, another really quick thing I want to just go over for me is I have two truths and a lie. So we'll go over what these are. First, tr- first one, I got a black eye from my first grade teacher. Second, I won a male beauty pageant in high school. Third, I got stuck in a tree in Hawaii. Who thinks the lie is number one? Who thinks the lie is number two? Who thinks the lie is number three? All right, the lie is number three. So I actually did get a black eye from my first grade teacher. Gave her lip that day. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> she accidentally hit me with a door. Uh, <laughs> I did win a male beauty pageant. I was Mr. Knight. And then uh, I did not get stuck in a tree in Hawaii. That was my friend Dave. I didn't get stuck in trees. Mama didn't raise no fool. All right. (laughs) So uh, actually, before we get into this, I wanted to ask you guys. So who is a fifth and sixth grade parent? Who is a parent of a fifth and sixth grader? All right. Almost. They're coming in. Oh, snap. They're coming in. That's exciting, all right? Uh, so how many, it's your first time having a fifth and sixth grader? I, I know a lot of you, so I know that you guys are veterans. So veterans, so your first time, veterans. Uh, let's see, small group leaders, any small group leaders in here? Yeah, uh, lots of fun stuff. So for those of you who did not raise your hand, what, what, what's, uh, what's your reasoning for coming? Grandparents. Grandparents? Grandparents, Grandparents? all right. Fantastic. Well, it's great to have you here. Do, do all of you come to Brookwood, or is there anyone who's not from Brookwood? It's totally fine if you're from Brookwood. There's no judgment from me whatsoever. <laughs> so uh, it's a cool thing, and I'm glad that we could. Yes? While I'm thinking of, how many broken bones have you had? None. Oh, I've never broken a bone. I was going to say, 
That's sheetrock. That does not count. <laughs> I've never broken a bone. I'm, I'm crazy, but I'm calculated with my, my craziness. So there are certain risks where I'm like, yeah, that's the reason why I haven't gotten stuck in a tree is because I look at something and go, yeah, that's not worth it. So that's how I roll. Uh, let's go ahead and get into it. So for uh, just to give you guys a heads up, some of you, you've been in the Switch, so you know, you know the skinny with that stuff. For those of you who have not come into Switch yet, the reason why Switch exists and that's our fifth and sixth grade ministry. Switch exists to help families pursue Jesus during the transition from elementary to middle school. So fifth and sixth grade is a very interesting time for students because they are, you know, in fifth grade, they're at the top of the food chain in the elementary school. They know the ropes. They've been in their elementary school for a long time. They're the bee's knees, the monkey's uncle, whatever, whatever else, you know, analogy you want to make for them being the best, all right? And then they go straight from being the top of the food chain to being at the bottom. And then in middle school, being at the bottom of the food chain can be absolutely insane, right? That can be an absolutely tumultuous time because let's face it, middle schoolers are some of the meanest people on the planet, you know? They're like little alcoholics. There is no filter to what they say. So uh, it, it's absolutely crazy. But it's a, it's a really cool time because I enjoy this age because, because they're still in fifth grade they still are willing to cut up and have fun and things like that. Even when they're in sixth grade, there might be a little bit of trepidation when they come in, but it doesn't take much to get them back to reverting to, I want to have fun. I want to cut up. I want to have a good time. So they're a really, really fun age, and I absolutely love it. So just to give you a heads up, the things that I'm going to be going over, uh, which if you're a veteran of a Switch parent, or I mean of, of a Switch kid, you already know this, but I'm going to be giving general facts about this particular age group. The, the thing about that is that each kid is unique. So, you know, not just mentally, but physiologically and all of that stuff. So these are general rules of thumb. Some of them, with some of you guys, the kid might already be going through this and they're not even in Switch yet or, or fifth and sixth grade. They might, not, they might be past this and it's still, some of these things still haven't happened yet. So I'm just giving general uh, you know, things that can be happening during this time. Take whatever information that you can and apply what you can to your, to your student. It's going to be fun stuff, all right? Uh, and then before I go a little bit further, um, the resources. These are in the back of your book. I just wanted to provide these. These are the things that I went over. A big part of the research aspect of what I'm talking about was from this book right here. It's just a phase. With the, this is what the whole conference is based upon. And uh, this book, I'm just going to give you a heads up, is overkill. I mean, it's from birth to death, or not death, high school. Uh, <laughs> it's from birth, that was morbid really quickly. Uh, it's from birth to high school, and it covers the whole shebang. And then on top of that, it's written very much for church leaders. So there's a ton of really good information in there. Just be aware that there's a lot of it. They are currently working on making, uh, making books for each grade, each section. So they have not release those yet. So you might just want to, you know, go to the site from time to time. As a matter of fact, the site is justaphase.com. Uh, they have a ton of resources. They actually have a middle school blog, which provides, they're constantly updating, that provides really cool information and whatnot. So if you just have any questions or you want to get to know the age group a little bit better, that's another great place to go, justaphase.com, and then you can go to the middle school section. Uh, and then another thing that I use quite a bit were these books right here. I call them the Parent's Guide books. Uh, Parent's Guide to Understanding Teenage Girls, Teenage Guys, Teenage Brains. I'll go over a little bit over this one, but this is a fantastic book because you understand, oh, okay, that's why my kid is absolutely insane. Uh, and then Understanding Social Media and Sex and Dating, which uh, I'll, I'll, I'll touch on sex, but that's not something that we're going to be going over a whole lot in here. And then finally, with Brookwood small groups, with, uh, with our students, w the version of the Bible we like to use is the NLT. We feel like that is a very common language way of, uh, of looking at Scripture today. We feel like it's a really good translation. And then on top of that, we use a study Bible because we want students to learn how to use their Bible and how to look up information and actually apply it to their lives. So those are some of the resources. Uh, we have those in the back. 
All right, so I wanna go over this timeline right here. The interesting thing about this is this kind of covers what, uh, what our influence looks like. This is you know, our per- parental influence timeline or even gra- grand parental influence timeline. So each of these is very interesting. We have this thing called positional influence. This is a little too high for me. Uh, positional influence. And that's the first point on your, on your fill-in-the-blanks if you're a fill-in person. Positional influence. And positional influence is this. It is your ability to influence a kid is based on you being an authority in the kid's life. So think about it this way. When you have a child and they are very, you know, they're younger, two years old or whatever, you are able to assert authority because your mommy or daddy right? They don't always listen, but you are able to assert that authority because of your position in the child's life, Uh, whether you're putting them in the corner or even whether you're encouraging them, all of that kind of stuff. So, and then the other aspect of this is because you're mommy and daddy, they are constantly watching you, right? I mean, they're watching every single thing you do. In some ways, that's awesome because you look at that and go, oh, it's a little mini me. And then other things you're like, Oh, they got my anger too. That's, uh, that positional influence is what that is. You are an authority, therefore you are able to influence that kid because of that authority, all right? The next thing is relational influence. Relational influence is your ability to influence a kid is based on your relationship with her, him or her. I'm gonna go back to the timeline uh, since we all have it. So, Positional influence, the interesting thing about that is the older they get, that decreases. Have it, has anyone noticed that? Your ability to influence the kid is like, okay, this used to work and now it's no longer working. With relational influence, that increases as time goes on. So in essence, what that looks like is the older they get, it's less about you being in a position of authority and more about the people who influence them are going to be the people that they're closest to that they have a close, close relationship to, their friends, the people they respect at school. It might be their coach or a teacher or thing like that, someone like that. So that's what that's looking like. And so we have this section right here called the intersection of influence. And that's where things are really getting interesting. That's when middle school happens. Their circle of friends is gonna have a ton of influence on them. Social media, the things that they're looking up, the things that they're posting, the things that their friends are posting or the celebrities that they follow post, that's gonna have a ton of influence on them. And then you know, as they get older and they get their driver's license, them being able to have freedom, wings, and they can fly away, that's gonna, there's gonna be a ton of influence from that because they're gonna want to have that freedom and go off on their own. So the neat thing about where we lie with fifth and sixth grade is that we land about here. So we are not at the intersection of influence yet. We are where positional influence is starting to get to the point where, okay, this is no longer gonna apply and relational influence is on the rise. So the cool thing about this age is that you can start making the transition from, you know, hanging or being the authority in the kid's life, which obviously you still need to have that and everything, but start focusing on the relationship with your students. Uh, Start focusing on the friendship, being able to have fun with them and things like that. This is a really fun age. It's a cool thing. So this is a really neat time and it's super exciting to be a part of that. All right. So before, before we get into the nitty gritty with a lot of this stuff, whoop, all right, so uh, this, is, this is a rhetorical question, so I'm not gonna be asking what this is, but what's the goal of parenting? If we were to break it down to its most you know, basic goal, the most basic function of a parent, what's the goal of parenting? And it's this. The goal of parenting is to help your kid become an adult. That's the purpose of parenting. You want your kid to be an adult. So, when you think about it through that lens, through its most basic property, think about it this way. What are the qualities that you want in a responsible adult? So it might be things like empathy. Obviously, we want an adult to be able to put themselves in someone else's shoes to, and to empathize with other people because, I mean, we all know people, I would imagine, who are not very good at empathy 
And sometimes it can be hard to get along with those type of people. Sometimes that's going to be, uh, you know, a personality thing. But empathy is something that, need, that can be taught and it can be learned from, from students. Uh, responsible decisions, obviously, we want our students to know or we want our kids to be able to make responsible decisions as they grow up. And we want them to be able to think critically not just about the world and about other people, but in themselves, that we want them to be able to look at themselves and say, okay, why did I make this decision? Or why did I make this step? Or what step do I need to take in order to get myself into uh, the job that I'm gonna need to get, whatever that's gonna look like. And then learn from mistakes. We're all gonna make them. That's just the way this world spins. So we want our kids to be able to learn from their mistakes. How do I build on this? How do I not allow myself to be defeated, but actually take steps forward? And then the fill in the blank, I don't have anything for that. You know your kids better than I do, or you know your grandkids better than I do. So be thinking about what are qualities that you feel are very valuable in adults, and how do you start transitioning, uh, you know, or how do you start being intentional about some of those things, which... I mean, many of you are probably being intentional about those things already, uh, but, you know, just something to think about. So, you know, I can't tell you what your kids need, but you do, and those are things that you can focus on. Uh, a really great question that, I, that was posed to me, and here's the thing, I'm not a parent, uh, I just, I've just hung out with kids a lot, but a great question that was posed to me was, are you the adult you want your kid to grow up to be? If you want your kid to be good at these things, ultimately it boils down to you need to be modeling them for the kid because, again, monkey see, monkey do. So if they see you doing these things, if they see you thinking critically about decisions or learning from your mistakes, et cetera, and so forth, that's going to speak volumes more than sitting down and saying, hey, you need to have empathy. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, but if they see you empathizing with other people, that's going to be huge. So, And the, the cool thing is, we don't have to hide or we don't have to be amazing at these things right from the get-go. If there's something you're not good at, it's okay to communicate that with your kid. Hey, I'm not very good at this, but I'm working on it, and these are the things that I'm doing. That, that way they'll see, okay, if I'm not amazing at something, it's something I need to work on. So that's huge. Uh, another thing, so I, I really want to go over quickly what the goal of parenting is not. These, these are just three things that I feel... Especially in our culture, it's really easy for, for, for people to fall into these traps. So the first one is this. The goal of parenting is not to protect your child from pain. That is one of the responsibilities, and it's important. Like, you don't want to – I'm not saying that you just, you know, let your kid experience pain all, all over the place and, you know, just let them have at it. But um, this should not be the primary goal. The, and uh, you have a lot of parents where they're – Primary goal is I don't want my kid to experience pain, so I'm going to protect them from everything. Well, if that's the goal of, of your parenting, you're setting yourself up for failure because what happens when your kid goes to school and you're no longer around and they are bullied on the playground or you know they fall off the monkey bars or whatever that looks like? There are so many ways that can go wrong. So the way that I look at it is this. Has anyone ever been sucker punched by life before? Out of all, right? Yeah, pretty much all of us have been sucker punched at some point. So life has a wicked right hook. So you can either teach your kid to run from the fight or you can teach him to, to take a punch. So really, that's ultimately what it boils down to, learning from mistakes and, and responsible decisions and stuff, things like that. Teach your kid how to take a punch from life. That's huge, all right? Next, goal of parenting is not to be perfect. One, Take a deep breath and breathe out. It's okay to make mistakes. <laughs> it's going to happen. It, that's just, again, that's how the world spins. We're, none of us are perfect. So one, that should hopefully be a burden off of all of our shoulders as parents or future parents. But also, you don't have to put up a front with kids that you are perfect. It's, it's very, very healthy to tell your kids, hey, I messed up. Or, hey, I could have done this better. That's totally fine. And it's, it speaks volumes to kids when they see when their parents being humble with those kinds of things because it lets them know, one, mom and dad aren't perfect or grandparents aren't perfect, but also this is, this is what they did to fix it or this is, they actually apologized, so this is something that I need to do. So that's absolutely huge. I mean, if we look at life, 
more people, more often than not, people are more than willing to admit that they're not perfect, right? Unless they're Kanye West. But you, uh, but you, you meet very few people that admit when they're wrong. Does that make sense? A lot of people are like, oh, I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. But when you actually are in the moment and you catch them in the moment, not as many people are willing to admit, hey, I messed up. So if we can model that for kids, that's huge because it teaches them humility right there in the moment. Last thing, purpose of parenting is not to be your kid's best friend. We want to be friends with our kids. We want to have good relationships with our kids. But if the goal is to be the best, you know, your kid's BFF, that's going to be a hard thing to maintain. And here's why. Mom and dad have to enforce discipline. Grandparents, probably not quite as much unless you're raising the kid. You get to spoil the kid. But, uh, you know, there still has to be discipline. There still has to be boundaries. And the thing about kids, when boundaries are enforced with them, they will not like you when that happens. And you got to be okay with that. You got to be comfortable with the fact that there will be times when, you, when the kid does not like you, but ultimately it's for their benefit. Everyone needs discipline in their life. Everyone needs boundaries. And so, uh, again, you want to transition to where you have a relationship, you have a friendship with your kid, with your student, but there's still always, you are the parent. You are, you have an, you are an authority figure in their life. And so, what that's going to mean sometimes is you're going to have to enforce discipline because if we're being honest about kids, they can smell blood in the water, right? And they can smell weakness and they will exploit it. Kids are little geniuses when it comes to manipulation, <laughs> right? That's just how, how we're all wired. So uh, hopefully that's a burden off of shoulders. Uh, it's a cool place to be. So I want to look at how kids are changing and when I, the way that I look at this is I like to use, um, you know, what Jesus said in Mark 12, 30, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The reason why I like this verse is because God knows that there are many dimensions to humans. There are so many dimensions to us. So if we break it down, it'll look kind of like this. Strength, what does that look like from a physical perspective? Heart, emotional, mind, mental, soul, spiritual. I'll give you a second to fill those out. But your students are developing in all of these ways at all times. All of us as human beings, we are developing, you know, we are either growing or remaining stagnant in each of these areas. Boy, am I stagnant when it comes to height. So... (laughs) (laughs) Ah, you learn to live with it. It helps me climb, all right? Uh, But that's how I want to be looking at this uh, in regards to students. So what do do these change, where do the changes that fifth and sixth graders are experiencing look like in each of these areas? So first we'll go over physical. So fifth and sixth graders, they're going to be hitting puberty. They could be hitting puberty during this time. As a matter of fact, for boys, they're going to hit puberty anywhere between the ages of nine and 13 and a half years of age. For girls, between eight and 13 years of age. Girls develop faster. They're smarter than us. That's just how God wired it. So uh, really what that boils down to is keep a finger on your kid's pulse. Or, you know, if, if you guys are leaders in a respective ministry, keep a, le- keep a finger on where the, where the kids are with some of the things that are happening, some of the changes that are happening. Because if they develop sooner than other students, then they can feel like I'm different than everyone else. If they're developing later, then they're like, well, everyone else is developing and this is a weird thing for me. So regardless of what happens, letting them know, hey, it's okay. It's totally fine. These changes are happening. Don't sweat it. Uh, they're going to be getting pubic hair. They're going get, to be getting growth spurts. So some limbs might be disproportionate, which that's, that can be a weird thing for some kids, but they're going to be growing. So letting them know, hey, that's okay. Genitalia starts developing. So conversations need to be had about some of those things that are going to be coming up. Guys, their voice changes. It can be hilarious, but, you know, let them know. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, it happens. It happens to all of us, all right? (laughs) Acne, uh, all of that kind of stuff can happen. So really what it boils down to with physical is don't be afraid to have conversations about the changes that are coming. 
uh, if it's if it's a dude, dad can have that conversation. If it's a girl, mom can have that conversation. If you know one of those people is out of the picture, obviously someone's going to have to step up to the bar. But uh, you know, let them know that these changes are happening. And here's the thing: celebrate those changes. Let them know, hey, this is a good thing. These are steps that you're taking into either manhood or womanhood, whatever that looks like. Uh, it's not a bad thing. So let them know, hey. The changes that are happening are normal. The interesting thing about kids is when they're in elementary school, they want to know they're a snowflake. They want to know that they're unique and that they're special, and it's the most amazing thing ever, all right? When they hit this age and they start transitioning into middle school, they don't want to be a snowflake. They want to be one one part of the snow with everyone else. They want to fit in. They want to be normal. They don't want to be different or weird, Letting them know, hey, this is these changes that are happening. Don't sweat it. They're they're gonna they'll work themselves out. It's gonna be a weird time. This is actually a good thing. Uh, and then also as far as physical, uh, in regards to sex. So a talk that I have before students uh, come into fifth and sixth grade with parents is. I like to let them know, hey, in Switch, we don't talk about sex because they still have one foot in elementary and they still have one, and there's going to be one foot into middle school. We like to equip the parents and let them know, hey, this is a conversation that you're going to need to be having. Um, but that's not something that we talk about per se. But talking to them about that is absolutely huge because if you're not talking to them about it, Google is more than willing to do that job for you. And Google does not care about your kid at all. So it's kind of terrifying, but it's a, it's a good responsibility. And we actually have uh, the sexual integrity class next session. I don't know whoever, whoever's going to that, but Jason and Jilly are teaching that class and they're going to do a fantastic job with it. Um, so, and, and they have some good resources as far as what you can, you know, the discussions you can have at which age group. So that's huge. All right, next, emotional. For fifth graders, friends are more important during this time. Again, the relational authority, or I mean, I'm sorry, uh, the um, relational aspect, relational influence, that's what I was looking for, that is on the rise at this point. So they're going to be very much about their friends, what their friends are doing, what their friends are wearing, what their friends care about, all of the above. So don't be afraid to tell them you can't hang out with this kid. I just want you to know as a parent or a grandparent, whoever, it's okay to tell your kid, hey, this kid's not a good influence, and here's why. Uh, their friends are extremely important, and their friends are going to have a lot more influence on them from this point forth than they've ever had before. So making sure that they have good friends is a good thing. It ticked me off when my mom and dad would tell me I couldn't hang out with certain people. Now looking back, I'm like, that was a good call, all right? They seek peer approval. Again, they don't want to be a snowflake anymore. They want to be snow. They want to be like everyone else. So just letting, just be aware, again, their peers, you want peers that are going to approve them of them and love them for who they are and not force them into things that are dumb. And then also motivated by fun. Again, this is a very fun age. They're a, to- they're a total blast and it doesn't take much to get them back into that. So be transitioning to the relational influence aspect of things And make sure that you can have fun with your student. Figure out, meet them with where they are and the things that they have fun in. Have fun with them. That'll speak volumes. With sixth grade, what this looks like is acceptance is key. They want to know that they are loved. This is a very tumultuous time. Some of the changes physically are going to start happening, and they want to know that they are loved even when one of their arms is longer than the other one or their voice is changing or they're starting to get acne, things like that. Uh, Next, abnormal becomes the norm. They're weird, almost bipolar, in the sense that they might, you know, one night they might go to sleep with, they might still be sleeping with a stuffed animal, you know, Pookie, the really soft bear, and then the next night they want to sleep with their cell phone. Uh, Or, you know, they might be sleeping with their cell phone and thinking they're all that and an English muffin, but then there's a thunderstorm and they want to crawl into bed with you. Like, it's... It's just kind of a kind of a crazy age, really. They're turning from a dog, which is cute and cuddly and lovable, into a cat, which is a total punk sometimes. <laughs> well, here let's, let's be honest. Cats, they think they're all that in an English muffin, but then they come to you when they have a mess. All right. They're also motivated by fun. All right. So 
during this age, have a blast. Learn how to have a blast with them. Mental, yes, they're mental. Moving on. I'm just joking. We'll go over the different things. But mental, fifth grade. At this point, they can name all the major emotions. So, you know, being able to name fear, anger, frustration, joy, happiness, whatever, they can name all of those things. They may not know what they're experiencing in the moment, but they know what the emotions are, all right? They also have a hard time regulating fear during this time. So you might have a kid who can jump on the trampoline and do backflips and things like that and does not phase them at all. But then they go into a social environment and they have to meet a new kid and it's like, they don't know what to do with that, right? Or it might be the exact opposite where they are, uh, you know, they, they can hang out with other people and stuff, but they are afraid of everything. There's a bee in the car, they jump out the window while the car's going, crazy. Uh, that, th okay, this says motivated by fun. It actually is not that. This, this other one is wants to be first and to win. They're competitive. Remember, acceptance is key. And, and during this time, they'll feel, uh, it should be that on your notes, but um, during this time, they want to be accepted. And one of the ways that you, that in our culture that we see acceptance is by winning, by being good at something. So don't be surprised if they start getting competitive during this time, all right? So mental for fifth grade. Now check this out, sixth grade. It gets a lot more complex, all right? So during this time, the brain is short-circuiting and rewiring itself to think abstractly. A lot of brain connections, they're firing off. And so what that means is that if some, unless something, some sort of knowledge is mission critical during this time, the brain goes, and it goes out the door. So you could tell your kid, pick up your clothes 15 times within an hour. And every time they say, oops, I forgot. And chances are pretty good they actually did. There is a physiological change that is preventing them from picking up their stinky clothes. So as frustrating as that can be, even me talking about it, I'm thinking about it, I'm like, that would drive me bonkers. However, that could, that could be a physiological thing that is, that is just very difficult for them to remember. So being patient during that time can be huge. Uh, they can expand black and white thinking to consider motive. You know, kids are more than willing to ask why, why, why. Well, at this time, they're gonna wanna know, okay, so what was he thinking when this happened? Or why, did, why are people making this decision? Or they hear about world news and they're wondering, why are there slaves still? Or, you know, things like that. And then on top of that, they expand empathy beyond just the people they know. So, really easy to start, you know, empathizing with the people around you, but when they hear about something happening on the news or uh, their teacher tells them about something that's going on at a different school, they might try to put themselves in those shoes during this time. And then understands complex emotions, but desires to shut them out in order to fit in. Very interesting. That it's, again, they want to be snow, so they're going to do whatever it takes in order to fit in. They don't want to stand out so just teaching them, it's okay to be feeling what you're feeling. Don't feel like you need to suppress what's going on with you. Uh, but don't be crazy at the same time. All right, next, spiritual. This is how to connect them with God. That's, this is what, what I'm thinking about with, the, with this particular one. So JC talked about rhythm, you know, having a rhythm of faith in your life. And so here's the verse again from Deuteronomy 6, uh, 6, 6 through 9. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today, Repeat them again and again to your children. Again, brain damage. Kids have brain damage. So don't be afraid to say it over and over and over again, all right? Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. So pretty much what this is saying is give your kids tattoos. Just joking, don't do that. Write them on the uh, doorposts of your house and on your gates. Really, what this is saying is weave faith into the fabric of your life, into the rhythm of your life. It's not, when, we, when we're talking about, okay, hey, let's, let's you know, teach our kids about God, that does not mean you start doing five devotionals a day. It just means that you start leveraging the things that are happening already, and you start using those as opportunities to point them to God. So, you know, anyone have to sit in car line? It's the worst, right? That, that's an awesome time to just start asking them about their day and, and you know, plug, letting them know, 
about God. Talk to them about God during those times. It's absolutely awesome. God is holistic. He cares about every aspect of who we are. So, uh, you know, again, God wants us to use every aspect of life to talk about him because he's woven into the fabric of everything. It's awesome. So think about it this way. Fifth grade, tell stories with a concrete idea. I'll tell you one that my dad told me. My dad was on, um, he was on break. The, the whole company was on break and they were sitting down and eating and the soda machine broke and it was just, you press the button and ding, 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 ding. It was Christmas as far as this thing was concerned. So it was sending out sodas. You didn't have to pay for them. And so all the guys in the break room were just going and grabbing as many sodas as they could and taking them back to the table, except for my dad and someone else. And so they came back to the table and they were like, Milt, why are you not grabbing sodas? They're free. And my dad said, because that's stealing you are stealing those sodas right now. You didn't pay for any of those. And they asked the other guy, well, why didn't you do it? And he said, because Milt didn't. That's a, that's a story with a concrete idea that my dad told me a long time ago that made me realize character matters and people are watching. So if you have, if you have stories like that, or heck, if you want to tell them my dad's story, by all means, go for it. But so there's that. Or use illustrations to help them relate ideas to their lives. I have another story with this one. So we have a dad, there's a dad who was in Switch, and he's the dad of one of my, uh, one of my small group kids. And he, was, he told me about this. He was in the car with his son, and they were at a stoplight, and there was a woman in, the, in one of the cars who was a knockout absolutely gorgeous. And so he said to his son, and there was a line of men, you know, cars with male drivers. And he says, son, I bet you anything that as they drive by, as she drives by, every single man looks at this woman. And, and his son was like, no, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Sure enough, when she drove by, whoop, every guy looked at that, looked at her and he just let him know. He used that as an opportunity to say, that's how we're wired, bro. But we have a choice about whether we're going to let that take over us or not. We have a choice about what we look at. So that was a perfect opportunity to use a real illustration and leverage that opportunity to teach truth. Absolutely huge. And then on top of that, making faith fun. So many churches are just absolutely boring. When I was growing up, some of, my, some of my, uh, the churches I was a part of were a total blast and it was awesome. Other churches were absolutely boring and I wanted nothing to do with it. Again, this age group is motiva motivated by fun. So make sure that you let them know, hey, for Jesus and his disciples, life was not boring. I imagine that it was pretty crazy a lot of the time, not every single you know, moment, but Jesus was doing some amazing things. They were going to some amazing places and meeting some, some interesting people. So letting them know faith is fun. So what are ways that you can be creative and make faith fun for them? Uh, spiritual, connect the dots. Again, this kind of, they have a lot of questions and they've learned a lot of knowledge. When, I'll give you an example with Brookwood Kids. When they're in Brookwood Kids, they learn a lot of stuff about the Bible and that's awesome. And they learn the truths about it, but you know, when they start hitting sixth grade, this is when they need to learn, okay, what does this mean in my everyday life? How do I actually utilize this? So what's great for me in Switch is I can tell the same stories, but I can say, but I guarantee you, you were not looking at it from this perspective. And this is how we can use this in our everyday life. Next, expect a crisis and use it to point them to God. What's a crisis? Could be anything, right? Anything could be a crisis for a middle school kid. My, you know, my, my cow lick is not going down. What am I going to do? And they might have a meltdown because of that. So just using the, any crisis that happens to point them to God. So, you know, if, the, if they're having craziness or, you know, they have a test that's coming up, hey, did you talk to God about that? Have you asked God about that? Have you asked God to help you with that? Just use those opportunities to say, what does God have to say about that? To let them know they can have that conversation with God. And not only will, will God listen, but God will answer. It may not look like the same between you and me right now, but God will speak to them. He wants to speak to them. So the more that we help them understand you you know, having a relationship with God means having a conversational relationship with God. The more we can get them to understand that at a younger age, the better. Also, being consistent. This is a very unstable time for them in life, right? Because there's all these changes going on and they're moving from one phase of life into another phase. So if you can be consistent for them, that will be absolutely huge. So, and heck, 
for some, for some, you might be the only stable thing in their life. But if they know that they can come to you, that's going to be huge. That's going to speak volumes. So what can we do during these times? What, what are things that we can do? First thing is this, engage. Providing stability for students. That's huge. I mean, I already kind of already went over that, uh, but this is a very tumultuous time. So if we can be a stable point for them, when they are freaking out uh, and they can come to you and you are a calm, stable presence for them, that's huge. Uh, I mean, heck, when I worked at Staples, I was, uh, I, I, I was a business machine salesman and my boss, was, I'm, she may have been on speed because just, and she would freak out and she would come to me and say, Ryan, and I would go, okay, I can do that. And I was just absolutely chill. And she would instantly calm down right then and there. That's how, that's the effect that I had on an adult who was older than me. So as an adult who is stable, when your kid comes to you, if you just say, hey, let's just chill out. Let's, let's talk about this rationally. That's huge. They need that. Also pursue them through their interests. What that means, watch the movies they're watching Listen to the music they're listening to, read the books that they're reading, follow the celebrities they're following. Things like that are absolutely, are, are going to speak volumes in their life. That means that you might have to watch some movies that are really dumb. I am a cinephile, so I, I love movies, and I've had to watch some really bad ones because I'm hanging out with students. But that speaks volumes to them when I can actually talk to them about what, uh, what we watch together. So, Pursue them through their interests because they want you to rediscover them right now. They want you to rediscover who they are in this moment. So, and one of the best ways to do that is through their interests. Uh, Set boundaries and honor them. Again, discipline is huge. So if you tell them, hey, no, you know, no phone at the table, make sure that one, you're modeling that. And two, make sure that you honor it. If they have a phone at the table, don't let them get away with it. Don't let it slide. Hey, Throw it away. Not really. But uh, show up where they show up. This is more for, uh, I mean, obviously, if you're a parent, hopefully you're going to their, or grandparent or whatever, going to their soccer games, their martial arts stuff, uh, their recitals, all of that kind of stuff. If you show up where they show up, if they know that you are there and that they are supported, that's huge for them. All right. And then also helping students have a dynamic view of God. If we don't have a dynamic view of God, if we, if we think that God is boring, then that is going to influence their the way that they think about God as well. So we need to be careful about how we think about God and make sure that we have a dynamic view of him because if we model that for them, it's going to be contagious. Next, affirm. Affirm who they are and who they are becoming. And this isn't just the physical aspect of it, but the emotional and the spiritual and the mental aspect as well. Hey, you're a cool dude. Hey, you're really funny. Hey, you're really sharp when it comes to these kinds of decisions. Find out the things that they are good at and let them know, hey, you're really good at this. This is awesome. And uh, just let them know they're accepted and loved by you and, and they're okay. That's huge. Uh, emotional intelligence and moral foundation. What I'm thinking about with this is think about it this way. We want them to have emotional intelligence and we want them to have a strong moral foundation. So we want them to recognize and be able to name the emotions that they feel. So if they come to you and they're freaking out, let them know, try to, try to get down to the nitty gritty of what's going on with them so that they can see what that process looks like and hopefully they can start doing that for themselves. Uh, help them to manage and take charge of their emotions because they may not be able to regulate those things right now. Help them to empathize, to recognize the emotions of others. And finally, help them to love, help them to respond to others with kindness. When you're in middle school and people are not being kind, it's really hard to love and it's hard to respond to others with love. So helping them through that process and what that looks like and letting them know this is what you do and don't do, that's... That's very significant in the lives of kids. Uh, and then also help them understand what's going on with them and that everything's okay. Just communicating those things. That'll be very helpful. I want to take a second to go over small groups because a lot of the things that we're talking about, this is, this is a very beneficial thing for our students. So does everyone here come to Brookwood or is it, does anyone go anywhere else? 
You're from, okay. So at Brookwood, with student groups, we have small groups. And what that looks like is we have an adult leader who meets during the week with a smaller group of students. At Brookwood is a big place. So small groups is a way for us to, you know, scale it down and to have a smaller, more intimate experience. So we will have adult leaders that meet with students during the week. It might be at a house. It might be uh, here, whatever that looks like. And they meet with them on a weekly basis. And it's just an opportunity to pour into them, to speak truth into them, and to love on them. And for also those kids to be around other kids that care about God and care about growing closer to God. And so having that kind of environment, especially while they are... um, while the relational influence is on the rise, can be really, really significant. I mean, we've had, I mean, almost every parent who has a kid in a small group has said, I wish we had this when we were younger, right? Because you have another adult other than mom and dad who's speaking truth into the life of your kid. And then on top of that, they are among other kids that are trying to grow closer to God together. So that hits the relational influence of having other parents, but it also hits friends that are hopefully making wise decisions. So that can be really, really helpful. So if your kid is already in a small group, you know, just make sure that you love on your small group leader and thank them for the things that they're doing. If your kid is not in a small group, I highly recommend it. In my opinion, it's the heartbeat of what we do at student ministry because it's a great opportunity uh, for for kids to get some more um, just intimate experiences with people that are actually following Jesus and to see what that looks like. Yes. Yeah, all of our small groups uh, are just guys, girls. Uh, life is so much easier that way. Uh, because one, we don't want you know, to have to worry about relational drama and things like that. But on top of that, girls develop at a quicker rate than guys. Remember, girls are smarter. So we, gotta, uh, we just want to make sure that they are being reached at their particular age among peers. So how to win? What do these things look like? So with physical... Think about it this way. Communicate and celebrate the changes that are coming. Uh, I have heard of people who have daughters and when they were about to go into, um, they, were, they were about to go into womanhood, they had a period party and they let them know. First of all, they communicated, hey, this is gonna be coming. And then when it did happen, they had a party to celebrate and ha- took them out, had them pampered, things like that. Be, and the cool thing about that is they were letting them know, hey, this is not gross. You are not gross. You are taking the next step into being a woman, and this is a th- something to be celebrated. So just think of ways with your kids that you can communicate the changes that are coming and celebrate them. It's a good thing. This is an awesome thing. Mental. Meet them with what they like. As, again, as I said, find out the things that they like. And meet them with those things. Have fun with them with those things. Um, I so there is a uh, there. There's a let's see. She was in eighth grade at the time. Now she's in ninth grade, but she loves Shawn Mendes. And the song Stitches came on, and I started singing along with it because I knew the song. And for her, that blew her mind that someone as old as I am, would know who Shawn Mendes was. And that completely changed her, her thought process with me. Like, I became one of the coolest people on the planet because I knew who Shawn Mendes was. That speaks volumes for a kid. Oh my gosh, this adult likes what I like. So it might look like seeing the movies that they want to see, playing the video games they play, reading the books that they read, things like that. So meet them with what they like. You'll have a ton of street cred when you do that. Uh, emotional. Ha- having family dinner at least once a week. If you're, conti- if you're already doing this, um, keep it up. That's awesome. If, if you're not, start with at least once a week. How many times do you want to do this? As many times as possible. Like that's, that's really what that should look like. But if you're doing it at least once a week, you're letting them know, hey, I want to keep the fingers, my fingers on the pulse of where you are. And so that's, if you don't do it, that might be an awkward thing for the first few times, but keep at it. And also, when it comes to that, don't let cell phones be at the table. Don't let electronic devices be at the table because if those are at the table, they're going to, you know, once it gets awkward, they're going to go to their phone. Or, I mean, heck, even as parents or as adults, 
we can do that. That can be our natural response sometimes. So just making sure that that's an intentional time to see how they are, how school went, do you have any issues, things like that. And then uh, spiritual, talk about God and make him relevant in everyday life. Again, when they, when they have a crisis and they come to you, hey, what does God have to say about that? What's God telling you about that? I don't know. Well, go ask him. Take some time. Go to your room. Go, go ask him what it is. And when you come back to me, let me know what God is telling you. I'll ask him too. Like that's a, that's a great opportunity to make God relevant in everyday decisions. Not just the big stuff, the huge crises, but in the little stuff. Where should I go to school? Should I do soccer? Things like that. So those are areas where you can win. And uh, I want to go back really quickly. So like with physical, if your kid comes to you about the changes that are coming or just asking you, you know, hey, the kids on the playground said this, what does this word mean? If they come to you about that, that's a great thing because it means that they trust you to, to communicate those kinds of things. So um, just want to encourage you that if those conversations are popping up, that's awesome. It can be super awkward sometimes, but it's a good thing, all right? So I want to kind of end with this. Andy Stanley has this quote, spirituality is determined by how well one loves, not how much one knows. So it's saying that about spirituality. Also, go ahead and put parenting in there. Parenting is determined by how well one loves, not how much one knows. So it's really easy to come to something like this or even having uh, you know, this face conference and looking at stuff and going, man, I wish I knew all of this stuff sooner or man, I wish I had done all of these things sooner. You know, I just want to encourage you. Today, it's not too late to do a lot of these things. And ultimately what it boils down to is not you know, having all of this knowledge and being able to implement it. Implement it. Obviously, we want the reason why we do this is we feel like that knowledge is important and we want to equip you. But if your kid is loved and he or she knows that he or she is loved, that's huge. That's the majority of the battle right there. Knowing that you, if your kid knows that he's loved and accepted, that's huge. If you have any questions about this message, you can reach us at our email students at brookwoodchurch.org. If you have children of other ages, be sure to listen to our other podcasts labeled with the corresponding age group. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.